0: enlightenment and with a little luck some wisdom this is nightlight a reminder that you are never alone
1: good evening everybody and so glad you could join with me tonight this is gonna be a really really fun show um i have um i <laughs> I've got Charles Stein here with me and and he has written uh an amazing book, the light of hermes Trismegistus and um you all know that that Hermes has been a favorite of mine throughout throughout the years and i've I've often you know waxed it poetically almost about about him. And when I saw the title of this book, I thought, "Oh my God, I have to have him on the show, and he has been so kind enough to to join with me tonight." Let me tell you about the, well, first of all, a, a little about the book because it was it was more than I had anticipated and expected, which was which was a really a, a big thrill for me. And let me give you a little bit of background. Um, Linked to both the Greek god Hermes and the Egyptian god Toth, or Toth, depending on how you want to say it, Hermes Trismegistus is credited, credited through legend with thousands of mystical and philosophical writings of high standing, each reputed to be of immense antiquity. During the Renaissance, a collection of such writings, known as the Corpus Hermeticum, greatly inspired the thought of philosophers, alchemists, artists, poets, and even theologians offering new translations of seven essential hermetic texts from their source languages. Charles presents them alongside introductions and interpretive commentary, revealing their hidden gems of insight, suggesting directions for practice, and progressively weaving the text together historically, poetically, hermetically, and magically. It includes translations of, now now I'm gonna have to stop here for a second and say, Please excuse me. I will mispronounce a ton of this stuff. Hopefully no, no bolt of lightning comes down from the heavens to uh, to punish me. So he is, is weaving the text together historically, poetically, hermetically, and magically. The book includes translations translations of Hesag's Theogamy, the Homer, Homeric Hymn to Hermes, the poem of Parmenides, the... Hamanderus from the Corpus Hermeticum, the Chaldean or- Oracles, the Vision of Isis from Apusilus' Metamorphosis, and On Divine ri- Virtue by Zos- Zosmas of Panopolis. Um, uh, obviously, if we had lived in those times, I'd be able to, they'd just roll off my tongue, but <clears throat> not lately. Through his introductions and commentaries, he explains how the many traditions that use Hermes' name harbor a coherent spirit whose relevance and efficacy promise to carry Hermes forward into the future, revealing Hermes as the very principle of mind in all its possibilities, From Intellectual Brilliance to the Workings of the Cognitive Life of Everyone. He shows how these seven texts are central to a still evolving Western tradition in which the principle of spiritual awakening is allied with the creative. Never before published together, these texts present a new vehicle for transmission of the hermetic genius in modern times. Um, he, he uh, he, He hails from New York, and his work comprises... Uh, a complexity of integrated field of poems, prose, reflections, translations, and philosophical analysis, drawings, photographs, lectures, conversation, and improvised performances. And by the way, his poems and prose are just absolutely outstandingly gorgeous. Definitely, definitely worth, worth a read. Um, he got his Ph.D. in literature from the University of Connecticut at stores and it has a B.A. from Columbia University at stores as, all, as well. He is a Renaissance man of, of unique qualities and fascinating material, and I am so very delighted that he is joining me here tonight. Welcome to the, sh- the show, Charles.
2: Thank you very much. Did um, I ask you, you those you, What?
1: Yeah, give me the right pronunciations.
2: <laughs> okay. It's it's Hesiod is the the first okay. one and his book is the text is the Theogony, mm-hmm. <clears throat> meaning the the birth of the gods. Okay. Um, the Homeric Hermes, you got you got right. That's a a text that's part of a, a series of um po- poems in which the nature of the gods before the coming together of the Greek Olympian system with Zeus and Hera at the top of a hierarchy and 12 main gods, which were the ones that one is, that is sort of handed down to the Western tradition. These are poems that deal with the way in which gods who had existence prior to the coming into being of this Greek system um, were drawn into the system. And so the the story about Hermes is really a story about his his infancy. He's a kind of um uh, 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 Dennis the Menace of 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 the gods and he's a figure who's a a trickster and um a a, 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 a lot of different characteristics up, up here that are a lot of fun. Um mm-hmm. the next one is the the uh, poem of Parmenides and Parmenides is a a uh, what's called a, a pre-Socratic philosopher—that is to say, part of the the arise the arising of Greek philosophy um, that reaches its high point in Plato and Aristotle—but the pre-Socratic Socrates, of course, is the figure in, in Plato. So these are thinkers who um, were already beginning to um, individualize. The capacity of human of, of human intellect, um, and they each one has his his own particular um, figure or idea or, or image that gets projected over the whole of of existence. And in in my view, it culminates in this figure of Parmenides, uh, for whom the the issue is is uh, the issue of being itself. And my wow. translation of his text is a kind of central, it's sort of central to um, what I have to say about the gods and about Hermes in particular. Um, then the next one is the, the, the Poimandres. Uh, Poimandres is the, the first text in this group of, of writings called the Corpus Hermeticum, the, the body of writing about the figure of, of Hermes. Um, and the first one that it gives actually the story of how the, the the person who who becomes Hermes Trismegistus the thrice great hermes um how he is initiated it's a, it's a it's an a story of initiation that is they being initiation initiated by a a a kind of cosmic mind figure um into the way in which um human being is um, actually in its essence identified with the divine principle. And the next one is the the Chaldean oracles. Um, and they are a series of texts that um really center around the figure of Hecate um, or Hecate, the the um, the goddess really that is celebrated today even in, in various different uh feminist cults um of um she 's sort of the correspondent. she corresponds in a certain way to Hermes. She has many characteristics that that are that are like him and This is a series of of texts which came in a vision uh, to a, a father and son uh, team and had a great influence in the early part of the uh, first millennia um, over um, the pagan philosophy um, What's the next one? The next one is Isis. Uh, Isis is <laughs> the, is the right. Greek. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, she's she's the Egyptian a god of a major goddess in the in the the uh, uh, Egyptian uh, pantheon, um, but uh, cults surrounding her uh, proliferated in the um, the late uh, in late antiquity in the, in the Greek world and all around the Mediterranean. Um, and the book that I get this from is a, a novel in, in Latin called *The Metamorphoses*, or also *The Golden Ass*, in which a, a man, because of his various um, abuses of both sexuality and the practice of magic, um, is punished by the goddess and turned into a into a, a donkey, um, and he wanders through the the uh, the ancient world but maintains his own uh, consciousness his own intelligence and um after he's undergone many experiences isis promises to turn him back into a human being in a dream in which he has a a explicit full vision of the goddess isis and so i translated the text in which he describes that that vision to um, and then the last one is a, a figure named Zosimos of Panopolis. Panopolis is a, a, a city in uh, e- in Egypt that was the center, uh, a center of um, Egyptian magical practice that continued uh, quite very, for quite late in Egypt. Because in, in Egypt, the after the conquest of, the, of a large part of the um, of the, the the Western world of that, of that time by Alexander the Great, the Pharaohs were no longer um, Egypt Egyptians. For a while, they were Greeks, and then later they were they were Romans. But the practices of the the Egyptian temples in many places continued for a while. And Zosimos was a a a. a a priest who was also an artisan in that he worked in workshops in which the statues of the gods were created. And so he would have been involved in the kind of magic in which a statue would be made in such a way that it would appear that the the God was present in the statue. It wasn't simply that the, that the God was, that the, the statue was an image of the God. It was that the, the, the statue itself was part of a, an invocation of, of the god. So his, his skill as an, as an artisan wasn't just that he knew how to carve statues or, or fashion um, metal into, into god figures. It was that he was involved in the procedures by which the possibility that a statue would seem to be the manifestation or the presence of, of a deity um, could be created. And the text that we have is a text of alchemy, and uh, I'm arguing that there's a connection between alchemy and this practice of um, invoking the presence of the god into a statue because in alchemy, matter itself is treated as divine. And the work of the alchemist is to, is to bring out the, the magical and uh, 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 transcendent characteristics of, of matter itself. So his' text is a, is a, a description of the of um, a process of initiation, that is to say the uh, the because um, you know in, in 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 alchemy, if if people are familiar with it, it's probably through the psychologist C. G. Jung who used alchemical material extensively for the whole last later part of his career. In um, his understanding of the nature of the human psyche, so it's a, it's about a process of the transformation of the of the alchemist of the person, the artist um, who is working um, working with matter. At the same time, that that working with matter is a transformation of his own being. So it becomes a kind of image for an aspect of the way. Um, artists' work. I mean, by artists, I mean you know painters and poets and uh-huh. and uh, musicians, etc. In which the, the one experiences one's own creative work as a kind of soul making, a kind of making of one's one one is one is, one is one is mirrored in what one is able to create, and what one is able to create mirrors the state of being of the of the artist. And I think that's a, that's an interesting and um, not all that unusual aspect of artistic practice, and that it has. Oh, a, it's, 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 it's Yeah, so that it, that and that that's how my understanding of of alchemy is. Um, so what I'm trying to do in this book is propose that we, we we no longer believe in the Greek gods. We don't have the Greek pantheon, but there's a sense there's a sense that that the god figures have a way of surviving the the passage of the Pantheon, so Hermes is busy with us, uh, in a, in a sense because I'm I'm one of my one of my themes is, is that Hermes must be understood as the whole range of the possibilities of mind, and that means that it's not just about um, philosophical probity and uh, the development of science and the development of technology, that the limitation to the idea of intelligence. As um, bound only to the development of, of thought that makes technology possible, which I think is a, a, a well-nigh universal sense of, of uh, where intelligence stands in our culture, that Hermes then then becomes the trickster figure, and the trickster figure is a, 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 a is a, a divine figure that pray, pr- plays pranks on the world. Um, in order to awaken it, um, and so, that well, so the, the pranks that are being, huh? No, so so, yeah,
1: so yeah, in a way, yeah. in, in in a way, then you're you're talking. Uh,
0: you
1: know, I, I'm going to use a different word. I'm going to I'm going to call it consciousness. It, it's the evolution of the consciousness into the understanding of the aspects within that you can utilize to manifest greater. Potential within your reality
2: Well for, for sure that in other words If you think of that the mind Isn't only your IQ and whether You can um, um, Become a computer programmer Or, or a, a detailed specialist In some specific science But is the whole way in which consciousness Develops it, it is the Intelligence of art making it's the Intelligence of every different aspect Of, of, of existence where cognition is is part of it. Cognition meaning um, the activity by which we get a sense of how things are. That our wow. our sense of how of how things are ha, ha, develops for if in very different ways. And when one particular way is favored over all of the others, it's like um, that phrase that's used sometimes: a blowback. It's 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 like cosmic blowback. The trickster plays tricks on you because you've. You've failed to understand what the very nature of the mind is. And the consequences is that your success becomes uh, 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 the big problem. So all of our ecological problems, our economic problems, our, our problems of power um, are problems that come from a, a, um, a bias towards one aspect of intelligence at the expense of all the others. Um, and that that I'm I'm interpreting that the problems that face us as a as a not just as the human beings but as a living living being on the surface of the earth has to do with a um, a limited idea of what the mind is capable of, and that that becomes. A kind of seduction, that is say that science and technology seduces us into a picture of the world in which only that which can be quantified and used to manipulate phenomena in order to get results um, is, is the only thing that's real. so that's my, my message is to propose her, her, the, the hermetic as a resistance um, as a resistance to that sense of reality. That the only thing is real is what we can manipulate, and it's not against science or against technology in the sense of that it shouldn't be happening. It's just that there's a danger that our whole picture of existence becomes commandeered by that sense of what of what being or reality is. So uh, my my whole work really has to do with with trying to um, uh, awaken or reawaken um, the possibilities which are. Um, left out of the picture by the common view of um, of our world.
1: I'm trying to
2: yeah, I'm trying to be a, to be somewhat concrete. I know these are kind of abstract ideas, but that's what my concern really is. Yeah.
1: Well, it, it made me go back and look at a lot of these different. Um, uh, Belief systems: the Roman, the Greek, the Egyptian, the Norse, um, and and look at the the uh, the fables, the stories of of their their um, th- their experiences in a completely different way. Because in many ways they were archetypes; they were parts of ourselves that that are evolving and changing and growing, and 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 therefore. The journeys like, um, like Ulysses, you know, his journeys have a great deal to do with the, our journey into understanding the divinity within ourselves, too, so that so that they represent – they aren't just a fairy tale. They are more of a, uh, a map of how things evolve during that time frame and, and how – there is such similarity between all of the different cultures that had these kind of, of, of myth, mythological heroes and, and stuff that they were really talking about evolution and, and awakening and, and a consciousness expanding that, that um, you know, I'm thinking back to high school when I read a lot of this stuff, it was like, well, these are really cool. And it never, never occurred to me that um, it could be representing something else, and now i 'm half a century later looking back at them and saying, "Well, of course this is, this is the evolution of, of the of the consciousness and and presented in different time frames, but with basically the same stories
2: well what, what I would say is that that each of the the the, the worlds of the of the deities in, in the different cultures, and very often the specific deities themselves, um, represents a different mode of being, being, well, you could say conscious, but being intelligent, uh-huh. a different co- way in which the mind manifests. And so the study of these things are not a bit really about the study of what happened in the past, it's about what are the possibilities that that we can actually resonate with, and um, and ex- explore under our, our present conditions. And like one one thing is that if you think about public debates on questions of the ultimate nature of reality, um, it's it's as if the only issue were what you believe. That you that there's a kind of worldwide competition among different systems of of beliefs about about being about 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 reality, um, and actually, what you what you find when you study particularly the, the the Greeks and to a less extent, but but still the the Romans, is that they're not actually arguing that there has to be one system of belief. Their polytheism really means that human beings are situated in a a condition in which we don't actually really know what ultimately is so, but there are all kinds of possibilities to explore and that the the growth of the individual as well as the growth of human possibilities has to do with actually activating those, those, um, performing those explorations because it's only with the rise of, of monotheism of Judaism, Christianity, and, and Islam, that you have not just one God, but one truth. Uh-huh. So, very, as soon as as soon as the, um, the 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 Christians take over the Roman Empire, what they they become very busy in attempting to expunge all po- other possibilities of thinking. Um and that pretty much has isn't something that with the advent of, of modern science um as if it were replacing the religion that idea hasn't gone away the The demand that there's only one model for what 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 truth really is and that I think that that's a, a very a, a very um that's behind a lot of of our our problems in in, in the world. So what I was trying, starting to say is that the study of mythology is not about the study of other cultures or about the past. It's about using what one can one one can resonate with or connect with as related to the future, to possible futures, possible further conditions. So I have this phrase: the, the further life of the god. Further meaning more, more to come that the, the it's a further life of, of of Hermes is what I'm suggesting that it's not it's not just about the past, but we study the past in order to in order to awaken possibilities for what yet is to come so I'd say that's what the, what my book is really trying to suggest is um engagement with the imagination um is something that um we have this enormous resource of all of the cultures and all the ideas and all the imaginations and all of the possible psyches, um, that uh-huh. our present view of things tends to look as if it were go- gone by and that we've evolved beyond them. Um, in, <laughs> in, one sense that, in one sense, that's true, but in the other sense, they all become possibilities again. Um, if, if, we, if we use our own imaginations and our own intelligence to awaken them, and a big so part it, of that is the idea yeah they yeah. have so
1: so Hermes then is the vehicle that connects all of these different texts
2: well that's that's what my hermes does my devotion to hermes yeah. is to is to is to is to do that the only the way I see the only way I understand of doing that is by making poetry and writing books and making art et cetera, mhm-. Um, no, he. It, it, point, he's a yeah. he, go ahead. Well, it's just no, that he's. He, he, it's for all, over the whole course of my life. It sort of slowly developed that I had this this interest in connection and, and, uh, with that figure. Um, and um, I had I've done lots of of translation. I have a translation of the entire of the Odyssey that's in print um and uh i'm still working on a, a translation of the iliad um wow. but uh, along with with all of that we it was a continuous fascination with with uh, the, the the hermetic material um and i, I practiced for a, a number of years within a an actual uh, hermetic uh, cult um uh-huh. as I don't want to talk all that much about it, but I also then, I think the whole early part of my life from the time I was a child until maybe I was in my 40s, I was um, trying out everything I could. I practiced yoga with a with an Indian guru for a number of years. I uh, studied uh, Tai Chi and Qigong for, for many years. Um, and I practiced Zen Buddhism in a Zen context for a number of years, and eventually um, found a particular version of, of Tibetan Buddhism that that I have been been practicing really since the mid 1980s. Um, so that that's sort of where I've landed. I landed in a in a in a place in which the very view of how to practice Buddhism. Was not limited to a particular technique or a particular um, a particular cultural context, but viewed all the possibilities of uh, contemplative and, and uh, even ritual practice um, to the uh-huh. degree that one experienced them as as contributing to one's own um, expansion of of consciousness um, were were usable. And so it it becomes a very undogmatic and yet um, possession of a very definite view that um, is maximally open to um, what the possibilities are that the individual person needs in order to uh, realize his own or her own awakening. Um, So, I mean, that's the sort of trajectory of, of... And so instead of my being interested particularly in propagating some particular version of Buddhism, I'm, I'm more interested in exploring um, that kind of uh, very broad view of uh, what's possible. And it also involves a whole relationship to, to poetry itself because I, uh-huh. I, uh, I see the essential sense of, of poetry as the actual activity by which we bring a possible picture of the world um, in, into existence. So I mean, for me, it's all it's all poetry in the sense of making, and making in in the sense that w- we have the capacity, every one of us, to generate a um, a sense of the world, and it's part of our our own duty or our own growth, or however you would would think of it, um, to explore that those possibilities. So I I call and I think it's in this book, but in a number of places, I I kind of make a call for what I say is um, a new imagination of of, uh, a new imagination of intelligence. (laughs) That that intelligence itself is the the problem in the form in which we explore it, in which we in in which we use it and Mm -hmm. that we need to to broaden the sense of what it means to be to be activating our own our own minds, um, and a lot of that has to do with the possibility of an in- of initiation. That is to say, of actually awakening to the to the connection between what we are and what actually is being itself. So I have this
1: well, uh, yeah. this. <laughs> No, I, I do. I no. do totally agree with you on on, on that because uh, I I have found that a creative process of some sort is is crucial for the understanding of the spirit that that travels within us. The um, a way of expression, a way of putting energy out there, so that. Um, I, for a long time, I painted personal Mandelas, and people said, oh, I feel the energy. And, I, you know, it was like, you know, yeah, there's energy there. It was intended for you to touch it, react to it, and, and incorporate it. You know, and, and it's sort of like um, the same with poetry. Uh, I, I do free verse poetry. Um, I w- I, you know, the closest I get to rhyming is there was a young lady from wherever. But, um, you know, there's... <laughs> It's I, I I guess if I step on a, a soapbox at any point in time, it's it's please recognize the creativity you carry within and find ways to express it. That will expand your consciousness greatly, and lots of people do pay attention and some people think I'm full of it but but that's okay because it's it's my way of expressing and therefore if I get to express it doesn't matter if anybody listens or not I'm at least putting it out there so um but but I think I think I've always been fascinated with Hermes Trismegistus and and you know you have you have awakened a new level of of looking at how how his philosophy travels through time and and the trickster element of it too is is very important because we do, we only learn by sort of stumbling and and it's important for us to to trick ourselves sometimes in order to learn an aspect of reality and 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 we the, do that I think,
2: I, I I hear I hear you. Um, the other the, last, the trickster aspect of it is is also. Um, it's interesting that you put it that way. We that we trick ourselves. It's it's that we we need ways of overcoming the limitations that our very creativity imposes p- p- upon us. Um, that if you look at modern, modern, modern poetry and, and much in modern art, it has to do with the discovery that there are, are um, modes of creativity which the very success of um, a given practice um, cuts off. And so creativity itself can, can, mean, can in, in, involve um, what a, a poet friend of mine called the knife of set. Set being the, the Egyptian god of uh, limitation and, and destruction, um, uh-huh. but that poetry is not only about making making um, pleasant pictures. It's 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 about actually addressing the actual um, con- conditions of, of of the present um, at the level of intelligence and imagination. And so the the practice of, of you call preverse. Well, I don't think. I mean, I, I don't write anything but preverse. Preverse, um, um, in the sense that uh, it, it it began to appear in the 20th century uh, fairly early that the limitations of of poetry by rhyme schemes and and uh, metrical constraints um, were no longer. Um, uh, contributing to the actual creative making of the poetry itself, that other ways of, of of using the sound of language than simply having uh-huh. regular irregular uh, end rhymes or regular metrical patterns. So I'm I'm involved in the, in a, a the aspect of poetry that that uh, I've been concerned with is connected to the uh, Black Mountain College of the of the 1950s and a particular group of poets that that work there who have a very, very highly developed sense of what uh, free verse actually could be. I mean, to a certain extent, the abandonment of rhyme and meter looks like it's an abandonment of um, serious, strenuous work in order to evolve imaginative possibilities. But from my point of view, it actually creates um, a condition for um, an actually even more strenuous discipline because what you have to do is discover in your own acts of language um, a music that is coming to be um, for that particular uh, writing. Uh-huh. Uh So in other words, like it's not just. But if you remember high high school or, or whatever it was that what gets taught about poetry, I don't know what gets taught nowadays at all. But certainly, in 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 in, in my day, you learned things not, that not just rhyme and meter. You learned about assonance and alliteration and and different uh-huh. kinds of of uh, verbal patterns. And so it, instead of it being that you mainly pay attention to the last sound at the end of the line. And how it um, relates to as uh, resembling or or disresembling the, the next line or the next series of lines, you have to be listening to every sound, every letter, every sound is part of the part of the music, and it's not just biased by the regularity of the of rhythm or the variations against to pattern, or the regularity of the of the of the end rhymes, that the that the the way in which the the rhythmic character of of, of our own existence um, becomes available to project to create qualities and characteristics comes right through the body as mm-hmm. as rhythm but the rhythms aren't necessarily um, uh, you know ba dum ba dum ba dum ba dum dum yeah <laughs> it can be it, it, there are many many possible patterns um, well, I am, actually I am. But this, but it, yeah, go ahead.
1: No, I, I have found that the, the, at least the poetry that I write um, is not something I sit down and think I'm going to write a poem. It's suddenly there is um, th- words flow, and I, I I call it the song of spirit because there is no control. You just allow it to happen, and, and it feels like there's magic suddenly. And um yeah you know i i look back on a lot of things that i've written and it's like huh you know, like,
2: how'd, how'd that get I, there
1: yeah, exactly
2: well i feel <laughs> that about i feel about that about this book you know I, it happened during the the uh intensest period of uh, covid and i was just um, in one place all the time and i the, the opportunity of of writing a book for inner traditions uh, arose and I just sat there every day for sometimes 10 or 12 hours for three months because I uh-huh. had a, what, what I want to say about that that sense of you don't know what you're going to do that you just have a sense that there's something to be said and you yeah. you obey it and it was like I had in my head growing over years that I had a book about Hermes that I wanted to do and the occasion arose, and I just sat and did it. And as I read it, I was reading some of it today, sort of to get ready for this. I don't know how it got there. sounded sounded okay yeah. to me, but yeah. Um, <laughs> it, well, I, you know, I think it, 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 that there yeah.
1: there are moments with people who are, and and I and I don't um I don't know quite how to put this because I don't want to make it sound like like it's, it's um, you. anyone has achieved, uh, how do I put this? I do believe that people who are comfortable with their own creative process um, have come to a place within themselves so that consciousness, it, it will step back and allow spirit to flow. And when that happens, there's there's a sense of energetic, and I call it magic, but there's probably a better word yeah. for it. That, that that happens, and so um, it's not necessarily. It doesn't put you on a pedestal because those are only to fall off of. But it does it does create um, a comfort with your own consciousness, not necessarily your thinking mind but the conscious the the conscious flow of energy that comes from another space it's not as controlled it's 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 allowed to flow freely and um you know certainly there are places in in the book where it 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 there's a clear feeling that you're not writing it and it's just flowing out of you um and and it's you know i you know sit back and look up a lot of words um <laughs> That, that's uh, it, it, yes. there's a magic to it. You have to go back and reread sometimes whole paragraphs just to just to sort of tune into what is really being said as opposed to what the words are saying.
2: Well, or, or you know, the, the the magic is in the words itself. I I, I have this phrase that I use from the uh, Islamist uh, Henry Corbin. That the text itself is the secret. That uh-huh. it's the engagement. I mean, that's I mean the great thing about printed word is that it's not just momentary. In fact, it's interesting. This book, this book is on audible books. You can you can you can listen to the whole thing from uh, somebody who's reading it, um, and a number of people who have done that have said, "Well, I had to stop because." I needed to read that passage again, not just let it go, 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 go by. But I also think, in uh-huh. terms of, I certainly, I certainly agree about the, the flow and the and the and the magic. Um, it's just that even there, all the different functions of, of possible intelligence are involved, and I don't mean by that, uh, ratiocination and and doing uh, technical philosophy, um, but but that so. A friend of mine, uh, poet uh, George Quasha, says poetry is writing while listening, or listening while writing. Yeah. So, that, so that so that it's not like it's just flowing, like you're in you're doing automatic writing and you're in a trance. It's that the, all of the faculties of intelligence are engaged, and they have to find uh-huh. a way for them to cooperate um, rather than one. Um, one dominating over the, the poet Robert Duncan has a, a wonderful phrase where he says, "Writing is first a search in obedience," and he doesn't ah. mean by obedience obedience to authority. He means the search for that to which one g- gives one's um, g- gives one's obedience. That when 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 the thing is going right, you know you know what you have to. You know what you how you have to obey. You know what uh-huh. the discipline is, what you can do and what you can't do, and that's a that's a quest. It's it's a search, and oh yeah, um, yeah. So,
1: I I know somebody once said to me, you know, what are you doing now? And 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 I, my my response was, I'm waiting, and because mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff that I have done, um, and I tell people, um, and when I painted uh I painted a deck of cards that that are all hand painted mandelas. And I I have always said they came through me, they're not of me and so that so that it was a, a letting go of the logical intellect and allowing something else to flow through me that that had a message of some sort. And it's different for everybody and I think Go ahead.
2: There's a there's a poet named Jack Spicer, whose um, way of thinking about that was he would say like you you when you're when you're young and suddenly you can write a poem and it just happens. And you think, uh-huh. oh, this is going to be easy. Now I don't have to do anything. I just have to, I have to wait. And then, you, and then you you, try to let that happen, and nothing happens. Or what happens right. is not, not that poem at all. You, did the, you thought you were doing the same thing. You were just writing about this stuff that was around you and that you, you knew. Um, but he says it's like your ordinary mind is like a room with, filled with furniture. And the magic is suddenly a Martian comes in and rearranges the furniture. And yeah. it, the material is all the material you know, but something else has happened that is not yeah. your ordinary, ordinary life or your ordinary mind. Um, so I think that's one, one image of it. That's another, another one is this idea that it's a kind of quest for that to which you you um, you give you 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 give yourself. And obedience. I mean, the word uh-huh. obedience is funny because it's like um, we have the ordinary, well, you know, like your know, mother tells you she should obey, um, or you obey the law. But the, the word obedience as a noun has a has a meaning in in terms of uh, um, re- religious practice. And obedience is a, is like the discipline that is that is um, um, functioning in a in a in a monastery. But where the where the issue isn't exactly just just obey the rules, it's that the point of the obedience is to bring you into a into a a condition of mind. Um, so that sense of obedience to the to uh, you you have in, you have you have the sense that there is something you want to obey, um, but it no longer is what the culture actually gives you. And so it becomes a quest to find exactly what it is that will give you the instruction of how to proceed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I feel that that's um, that's the that's a key really to the creation and, and, of a yeah, and, and
1: and it's it's something too that you can't. I mean, I I can click in and click out quite easily. But when it comes to the very profound material that is going even deeper, I have to wait for something to be ready in order for it to happen. And and so it's really, it's stepping back and, and not giving up control so much as it is stepping back and allowing a higher part of yourself to come through.
2: I, I I I hear that, but in my in my book, that's what I I talk about. You remember I talk about the uh, something called the middle voice. Yes. Um, because you, you normally in ordinary grammar you have active and passive uh, uses of verbs. So an active voice is I'm doing it. A passive voice is it's happening to me. And in Greek. And actually, in the ancient um, Indo-European language and in Sanskrit, I think in Sanskrit, I, I, I actually am not completely sure of that, but certainly in Greek, you have something called a middle voice. And it's expressed as that the the form is the form of the passive, but the meaning isn't passive. But it's not exactly active either. It's something in which there's a kind of uh, vital play, um, between what you, the sense that you are doing something and the sense that you are receiving something, um, and that was the, the whole point about what I had to say about the Hesiod's Theogony, that the poem begins with an invocation of the Muses. So what does uh-huh. that mean? What's the invocation of Muse? Muses? It means that you, that you you are doing something. You are saying, "Oh Muse, sing to me now of oh, Hermes," <laughs> you know, when when we like that. Um, but the very activity of calling upon the muses is itself the activity of the muses. You only get to call upon them because they're already about to start to sing. And the language in which that is expressed in, in the poetry is in the middle voice. So he, he says, with with the Heliconian muses, the, the muses that are connected to this mountain, Mount Helicon, um, let us begin our music, um, and that invokes the muses. But they're already invoked in the very first words. You, you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. That it's no, I way, do. it's not. It, it's not simply passive, um, but it's not your ego activity of action either. It's it's this thing that actually brings into. The actual condition of your experience, something very concrete, is really happening this way. Um, what it, something that without the very idea of the muses, you couldn't even you couldn't even say what's going on. what's actually going on is this interaction between your your action and something that you are opening yourself to. And in, indeed, in the, the idea is that there is an initiatory character going on. That there is something which is really about. The um, the realization of what the real possibilities of this thing that's your your being your consciousness um, that um, you, you, nothing that you, you you didn't you didn't make it up and yet it's more it's as much that it's making you up but it's not quite that either you're you're completely participating in it it really is it really is of the essence of what you are um mm-hmm. that is what you call the letting the letting the spirit flow or or the higher aspects of your being all of which are just different different languages that are um
1: oh yeah <laughs> it, it's sort of like um <clears throat> telling my my ego to go out to lunch so that a higher level of my of the aspect of my consciousness can come through and share information and yeah. and i think you know the the ego. It, it, it's it's literally there was a for a long time um, when I was starting out in this field. I would literally say t- to my ego, you know, I don't need you for a while. You know, take a nap mm-hmm. or go to the movies or whatever. And <laughs> by 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 at, actually almost saying it out loud, it almost allowed me to let go of the ego and then you know know it was going to come back. But because we all need the ego to a certain degree, but but when it comes to a creative endeavor of any kind, the ego tends to want to control, and is limited well, only the, by you know.
2: Go ahead. I, th- I think first of all, there are, the ego is already rigidifying it. I don't have uh-huh. an ego. I have egos that are continuously arising and changing. Uh-huh. There is a, there's the you know right now I'm sitting in a certain position and I'm quite comfortable and I'm talking to you and we're doing this thing, and there is certainly an I here that is the source of what's what I'm saying. But it's not it wasn't uh-huh. there when I it wouldn't be there if I was talking to to my partner or or to my cat. You, you said thing, mean, the ego changes. And and so yeah. the very ego itself is is a part of this this kind of uh, process um, it, because the it's it, it, there isn't any aspect of of actual experience that's illicit everything is there for for the the, the further life of, of of one's own being itself of the further life of being. Yeah
1: well in in a way so, then um the journey of 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 any lifetime of every lifetime is an initiatory process that we're going it through
2: seemed, it, it would seem um, yeah. but that's <laughs> all, you know now, now we, we we get to this 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 other notion that i have that that's a, I, I feel is really important and it's what I call configuration and it's a it's an idea that I developed um Really in relationship to the history of, of, of modern art, of what actually happens at the end of the 19th century and 20th century, in which um, painters are beginning, to first of all, beginning to feel that the idea that what you're doing when you're painting is making an accurate picture of something that's outside of the activity of painting. That you're representing something, you know. Oh, that's a perfect likeness of of so and so. But the, the, one of the things, of course, that happens is is that photography comes and it does it it does it seemingly a lot better. So the the whole role of painting no longer seemed to be required to be to catch capture images of of of, of reality. And so, if you think of Painting or or drawing or, or or writing for that matter too, which is dedicated to imitating a reality that's out of itself. You call it figurative. You're making a figure that has as its as its basis or as its concern to make an accurate picture of of something. We call it figurative. So painters started looking for what it was that they were doing that really wasn't involved in making that kind of a representational figure, and so you have all of the different modes of, of abstract art, and there are you know there are maybe a half a dozen totally different activities that are that are involved in that. Um, but sometime in the in the fifties and sixties, something started happening within the work of abstract paintings. That the image wanted to come back. It was like he, there was a, a very famous abstract painter named Philip Dustin, um, who at a certain point, um, who made was very very beautiful abstract painter, um, but at a certain point there there he the, the whole thing flipped and he was painting these cartoons. It completely uh-huh. completely had these images in it, and he had a show at once of of the paintings that he made before those cartoons started to appear. And you could actually see within the abstract paintings that there were things that were trying to become images again, images of something. Uh And so if you call figurative what painters traditionally uh, did, uh, making an image that was uh, to be judged by whether the figure was accurate to something something else – and you called what the abstract painters did, non-figurative, there suddenly started to emerge a possibility, which I call configurative. That is to say, you allow an image to emerge, but the image is particular to the picture. It's not an image that is um, a representation of a reality that's outside itself. You, You follow what I'm saying?
1: I do. In other yeah. words, you,
2: I could I could be making I could use you uh, if I were in the room and I may, I'm going to make a picture of you, but I'm not concerned with making it a likeness that is going to look like you. I'm going to use what I'm seeing in order to allow something else to emerge. Uh-huh. and that sense of emergent form or emergent image can be that idea of that threefold of starting with the figurative or imitative then going to abstraction and then allowing the abstraction itself to be the context in which something um that's pertinent to to um, to, 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 to to a being to emerge but is no longer an imitation of something but that that can be applied to to uh, history. It can be applied to philosophy. That is to say, one can be working with one's own intellect, not in order to make an accurate picture of a reality that's outside it, but to allow a form of appearance to be configured, to come into appearance, to come into being. Um, and so that's, a, for me, is a, a big part of well, actually my relationship to Buddhist practice, that, that consciousness and thinking and even the activity of the ego doesn't have to be turned upside down or, or suppressed in order to get to, to a, a, a creative manifestation of being, that you can think things through precisely to see what the world looks like if you start thinking that way. And that that uh-huh. can be completely open. It doesn't have to be completely committed to, well, you're not thinking responsibly. If you think this way, such and such <laughs> is going to happen, um, which, of course, is the way in which we're, the culture educates us. Um, and uh, my whole point about Hermes the Trickster is that that use, that idea that there is a reality and we better use our intelligence in order to imitate it is precisely what gets us into all the big troubles that we have.
0: Um, <laughs> that
2: that in, that it, that we need to be able to um, open up the field of what a configurative picture actually can be. Whether that picture is about history or what's happening socially or politically, or what's happening religiously or what's happening in one's own imagination or in one's own culture. Um, because what you see is that the. All of the, all of the, all of the religions, and by that I don't just mean uh, Catholicism, or the Protestant cults, Judaism, Islam, etc. Um, but every, all of the different alternative ones tend to do the same thing. That is to say, to insist on a particular picture, and a particular language, a particular set of ideas that must be true in order for you not to be um, enslaved by. The, the conditioning that you've experienced up until now about what the world is, or what's reality, or what's what's being. I'm, I mean, I, I'm in beyond this book. I'm making a practice of not using the word reality and not using the word consciousness, um, because I think both of them have become very confusing in in the history of Western thinking. The word consciousness is ambiguous. Sometimes it means the content of consciousness. So you would talk about, uh, you know, religious consciousness or or uh, workers' consciousness or political consciousness as if you could describe the consciousness by the differences among its, its contents. Um, as opposed to consciousness being the fact that we are sentient, that we're aware, that we're awake, uh-huh. that there's something at home that is whatever it is that the content is is different from that content um, so I'm preferring to use the word sentience at the at its most okay. kind of you know i can say it's ascension me ascension being um or awareness or pure awareness that awareness is is something other than the content that you're aware of um, uh-huh. it's it's in the tradition that, that that I practice they use the image of the, the difference between a mirror and what's in the mirror, what appears in the mirror that your your real being a pure awareness is like the mirror itself, which uh, allows different things to come to come to appearance
1: um, well uh, yeah, I would be very comfortable with using awareness in, instead of yeah. um, the element of consciousness uh, you know the the terms that 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 at one time are very, very appropriate and mean exactly right. what i meant become hackneyed over time and and then it's yeah, like i have to find another term that will eventually right. become hackneyed as well
2: right no, right exactly there is that 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 uh, situation but because you know now the the uh, so-called cognitive scientists the people who are trying to understand quote unquote consciousness um so they talk about the hard problem of consciousness um because they're beginning to see that the question of consciousness is not so easy to reduce to the activity of um um neural networks that there there is something that that awakens there that's um but even they get get don't really go all the way to actually making this difference that making this distinction between consciousness and and uh, and pure awareness itself because, and and this is part of my idea about this, um, what I call the default ontology of, of information, that the problem with consciousness understood as its content is that whatever the content, if you are able to specify exactly what the content is, it's possible to represent that content in digital form. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: You know know what I'm saying? As as soon as you say, as, as soon as you is say it, there is something to represent, it can be represented digitally, and therefore the question about whether or not the the, the computer really, is really intelligent, or whether the you know the whole business that's sort of in the in the in the news this last few months about actual um, <laughs> people who create AI stuff. well you know what I'm talking yeah. about the AI stuff yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Um, um, my my joke is that you should you know what the the Turing test is you know that term it, no. it, it was a uh, Alan Turing was the, the man who actually did the initial spade work that made uh, computer computer technology possible in the in the 1940s um, and the Turing test was that uh, the question of if you could get a machine to respond. To your questions in such a way that you couldn't tell the difference between whether it was a machine or a human, it would have passed the Turing test. Oh,
1: okay. And
2: it's, and what I'm noticing in the present um, explosion of the use of um, uh, what's it called uh, the the, the uh, chatbot that oh, you chat that room? you can. No no, its not it's this 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 application that's now very popular oh, which okay. you can ask the computer a question and it'll give you a very intelligent answer on the basis uh-huh. of all the information that has ever been stored in computers and and because it's able to imitate um the grammar of intelligent speech and and they and it and it it's it's easy to be to be uh, think, Oh my god, this this thing is and you know, so you have poets and, and intellects of everybody trying to fake it out, to, to ask it questions that it can't, so that you're not fooled by the Turing test. Um, but my my joke on it is that you should program the the, the, the computer to question whether you yourself are a robot. <laughs> <laughs> um, b- because what they're imitating in order to make the machine sound like a, like a a human um are aspects of human activity that's already robotic
1: wow <laughs> better to most, better most, to program <laughs> it to say i don't know which would and be which well would actually
2: be? some of it actually does that it 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 can be quite forthright if you ask it a question that it can't answer it it will do that but but in any in any case my 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 real the serious issue is that anything that's capable of being represented is capable of being produced digitally yeah and so the the problem about representation that arose in the end of the nineteenth century um is still a big problem that you, that that if if it's, if it's if it's if it's capable of being represented it's capable of being represented as without there being anybody who's aware, you can imitate it, you can you can right. you can produce this phenomena, but there's no there's no real phenomena except your phenomena when you observe it. You are still there. Um, uh-huh. So that's so I'm that's why I'm trying to avoid the word consciousness, um, because consciousness if you take it as being the content. Um, is imitable. It's representable. It's capable of being rendered as information. And I'm right. saying that the, the the real danger of the present time is a kind of default tendency to say that only information is real. If it's not capable ah. of being represented, then then it's not real. So I, I suddenly see that reality itself, the very word reality, presumes that there is uh, something that can be represented accurately and that's a whole picture of being a whole understanding of being as as um something that is capable of being rendered quantitative being measured and then being reproduced without there actually being any sentience any any awareness um and and also that has no relationship to the the actuality of of now of the of immediacy of of uh-huh. that 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 sentience and awareness has its essence in, in what is happening. Not the what is happening, but the fact that the now that's where your quote unquote reality is. That and that the now I, itself is not in it's not in time.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, when that's when it. I look at sometimes um works of art and and mm-hmm. there are there are times when you're you're staring at something that is a couple hundred years old, and you feel an energetic from it. That you, yeah. you know that there was there was something there that the person who created it was feeling when they were painting it, and and so there is an awareness, an energetic that has nothing to do with thought, but it has to do with with feeling and awareness. So that makes
2: more sense. Well, I, I the only the only part of it that I would take exception to is that it it's not that it has nothing to do with thought. It has to do with the cognitive process in a totally different way from what we usually uh-huh. think of as thought. Because there's still cognition there. It doesn't it doesn't go away. The the, the sense that the, the, the thing that's happening spontaneously of your knowing what's going on it's not something that you that you want to just erase in order to have feelings and and intuitions. Um, mm-hmm. Those cognitions are really part of those feelings and intuitions. Mm-hmm. You know, they're,
0: they're, well, it's it, not I think it, it,
1: it, it is. a part of of us as a sentient being that there is that also that awareness that that is that is there that is unique that is. Special.
2: Well, that is that it. It has that. There's a certain sense of why I use the word intelligence. That is not ratiocination. It's not working out um, propositions that can be tested against reality. It's something in itself. That's that's part of the creativity. in other words like yes, of course I can see as a as a particular strategy or a particular practice you need to get out of your the part of your mind that is trying to figure things out or that's doing things um, practically pragmatically in order to to make a contribution to to the world or to or simply to you live live effectively um but that and then you can you you very much can need to 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 um, put that in the background, uh, make that take a back seat. But there is something in that that is actually connected to your being very essentially. So, I mean, as of, uh, you know, you, you know the Jungian, it almost likes you sound like you're using the Jungian faculties of thinking, intuition, feeling, and sensation. And uh-huh. Jung's typology is, is that people have, um uh, tend to be dominated by one of those faculties. So there are feeling types whose way of actually negotiating the relationship to the world is in terms of the subtlety of their, of their feelings and others for whom the grasping of a situation at a whole is as a whole intuitionally is, is the, is the main thing. And others who have to have to be dealing with things very concretely as, as a immediate sensation, and other people who are, who think, and uh, I'm certainly a thinking type. I mean, Jung says somewhere that you, you can tell what type you are by what you're doing when you're idling, yeah. <laughs> when, when you're not when you're not doing anything in particular. Well, I'm my, my mind is going is is always at work, um, but I've I've used that schema in order to to develop certainly my intuitions and my feelings. Um, um, but that's the point: is that you can you can use that in order to develop other other things than your dominant faculty. Um,
1: so, in a way, there is an element of Hermes in each and every one of us.
2: For, for sure, for sure. I, I just it's that I. Exactly what I, what I want to say for, for Hermes is my understanding of, of how to develop the thinking function beyond its own limitations as um, um, calculative reasoning, getting, making a picture of reality that has to be adequate to something. Because if you think uh-huh. your thinking has to be adequate to something, you've already decided what that something is. That, namely, it's something that can be imitated, that can be copied, that can be represented. But that's not all that's going on, even with thinking.
1: No, absolutely. I, I know that that um, at one point, um, and I'm not sure. I I, re, I do recall it was in your book. Um, it was it was. Um, talking about God and not the God we thought about, but the God that was above the God, which I thought was fascinating.
2: The God that was what? I'm sorry, I didn't quite hear.
1: The God. The
2: God that was. Um, yeah. You mean what I'm talking about like the divine backgrounds, that that notion? Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: I really, I, I, I really resonated with that, and and it's it's like, the the more you look at it, the more you realize that that, in a way, the 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 initiatory process, the the coming into awareness, the 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 coming into a, a finer grasp of of, you know, who you are and what you are, is is something that everybody goes through on on, on whatever level is appropriate for them. And and right. it's it, it's a journey, and and it's an incredible journey. And so many people I hear think, you know, well, I'm not going to have another incarnation because I don't want to be down here anymore and everything. And the reality is, you're missing the point of what we're here for.
0: <laughs>
2: yes, you, you know what? I I had this this idea. Could could I read? the The beginning page or two of the Poimandres? oh sure the because I think that what actually happens in this conversation between Hermes, who is still an ordinary human being, and the the mind that that speaks to him in his in his vision there there are things in it that really sort of give you what it is that we're talking about, so okay, so this is the opening of the the of the text called, called the Point mandres, the Point which is, the ordinary understanding of what it means was that it meant something like a shepherd man, a she, and it was like, or a shepherd of man. But you'll see in, 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 in my book, there's some question about what that really means, but it doesn't matter. And so this is, it's spoken by the, the person who's being initiated by this. Uh-huh. I was thinking, okay, so I'm going to do this. I was thinking about everything, Suddenly my mind shot up and my senses everted, but not as in a stupor, not drunk or sated. And it seemed to me that something very big, completely unbounded, immeasurable, called my name. What do you want to hear and what behold and what to learn and know by minding it? It said, who are you? I said, I am poimandres the mind and the authentic one. Then I want to know everything I said. I have what you want and am with you everywhere. Hold in mind what you wish to learn and I'll teach you. So that's one of the things. Hold in mind what you wish to learn and I'll teach you, meaning open yourself to your own sense of inquiry Um, Uh and something will respond. Everything changed, everything opened, and I saw a, bind- a boundless view. Everything turned into light, all mild and happy. I was amazed. But then in a moment again, everything changed. A downward-tending darkness, ferocious and grim, has overcome a- had overcome a part of it. And I saw the darkness change to a watery nature, a perturbation unspeakable, It exuded smoke and fire, and it made a noise, I cannot describe it, as if of interminable wailing, and an unarticulated cry originated out of it. Anyway, that that was... Well, I could go on a little bit. But from the light, a holy word came out, and it stood on the watery nature, so it seemed to me this word was the voice of the light. And point one, they said to me, so I could hear it, do you know what you behold what it means? Tell me, I said, that light, he said, I am it, mind, the first God. He who was before the watery nature came out of the dark, and the one that came out of the light is the Logos, the word son of this God. What then? No, by looking at By listening to that which is in you, that the word is the son of the mind, and that they do not stand apart from each other, for life is the oneness of them. But mind the light and study it. Anyway, that's how it it keeps going on like that. The 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 mind is instructing, and and so it it has this, this verbal sense, but it also has the sense that this is something that's happening. In his mind,
1: <laughs> uh-huh.
2: that it's, in other words, that the the very the dialogue is less significant than the fact that it's actually taking place within the active curiosity of of the of the figure, um, so that it's not. And then it goes on where where the mind is saying you mustn't just repeat what I'm saying. You you actually have to um, meditate in order to. Come to intuition what what it really means that you already understand.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, but but that's that's what <laughs> that's what we are. That's that's you know, as a, as a sentient being here on the Earth plane at this particular point in time. I mean, it's it's we have so much within us that we uh, close off because i don't know why we close it off but 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 it it it's a matter of you know the answers are all inside if you give yourself a chance to find them
2: it seems <laughs>
1: well i you know at least that's what i believe at this moment in time um you know who knows tomorrow i may change it all but 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 it it's it's a process and I I think so many people are looking to others to tell them what they should believe, as opposed to listening to what's inside of them and what they already do believe.
2: Well, what they already—that—that the the faculty of of knowing, of gnosis, is not bound to the very idea of belief. Is already you've already sold the store. Because it just assumes that there is a, a formulation that corresponds to a so called reality rather than that the very faculty by which you are imagining reality or creating it is is the only thing that's real
0: uh-huh
2: that in, in other well, words, yeah. it, it it isn't by belief it's by a kind of a kind, a kind of knowing but a knowing only in relationship to all the possibilities of mind, not simply the the um, the rational representational one, the one that could just as well be replaced by by um, uh, a complexly organized um, series of algorithms.
1: Well, yeah, and, and the other part is that that at least at this moment in time, this is where I'm this is where I'm balancing, in that this journey of initiation that we are all going through is different for everybody. Yeah. It's not it's not all the same. It's, we're all unique. And and that um I I said to somebody once, you know, if 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 you it if I gave you a list of exactly what I did and how I got to where I am today and you replicated it absolutely you, you, would, you would not be where I am today.
0: Of
2: course. Of course because you you What's actually happening inside every every fraction of an instant is already way beyond what you can you can um, grasp or describe.
0: Uh-huh. In
2: fact, it's that's why if you there's a whole part of it which I talk about the continuum um, as um, it's 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 a it's a mathematical idea, but it, what it what it's really saying is that if you push complexity all the way. It, it it ends up in that which is most simple uh-huh. and it's it's simply it's simply an image from the ordinary number number system um, or or ge- geometry that you 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 know you have numbers and you have whole numbers and then you have fractions um but any between any two numbers there's an infinite number of others um and that you can use that in order to make a picture of the infinite complexity of anything. But what the what happens when you have all of those numbers together? You've had an infinite number of distinctions between one thing and another. What you get is something called the continuum, which is com- completely smooth. That the continuum is smooth. There are no gaps in it. There's, there are no yeah. points in the, in the number continuum where there where there isn't. There isn't a, a number. But you only get that smoothness if there's an infinite number of, of divisions. So infinite complexity produces or is generated by that which is absolutely simple. And, um, and I just take that, I don't mean that as a, well, actually as mathematical, but just as a kind of use of mathematical fact as an image or a metaphor for something that's true, which is that the initiation... It seems to be getting more and more complicated that there's more and more to know more and more relationships, but actually, as you approach the actual awakening, all of that is is only possible because the ultimate condition of being is utterly simple, there are no divisions, no no distinctions, you already are being itself. Uh-huh. That it's not just that you have your being, and then there's being out there that you have to study, or being in here that you have to study, in order to come to an awakening to what being is. You already are it. So my my formulation is that the initiation is the transformation from being a being to being being. That you discover okay. suddenly that the, that being itself is. Right, dead center of where your most authentic and concrete um, sense of what of of, of is that there there is just the is, and that's that's the Parmenides, Parmenides um, moment, in the, that pre Socratic that that I translate and, and comment upon. Uh-huh. That that you know this this word, and I don't know if you, how much part of the culture it appears. But this word ontology," which means the, the study of being, and its usual understanding is that it's it's like a a world picture that you have a particular sense of the being of the world by everything is is uh, everything is space-time, matter and energy, or everything is the creation of God, or um, everything is really made of something that's like water or earth, etc. And so each one of those pictures, or everything is, is economics, or everything is physical evolution, or everything is is um, the, uh, the the chance um, uh, variations of genetic material and natural selection. Each one of these big ideas about everything is an ontology, and it's as if they all. Uh, you can't decide people. People who are professionals in a, in a given intellectual area, experts, are people who have studied very thoroughly um, one of those ontologies and put everything else in relationship to it. So, if you're a political economist, you see even the activities of intellectual life or creativity is simply is simply uh, one of the possibilities that happens within an economic system. Um, but what parmenides is saying is no ontology just being the being is but like that,
1: that that old and yes. i don't know where it comes from but i mean it's not mine but it's sort of like what time is it now where are you here you know it's 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 like the now
2: yeah well the now that's the thing well, the interesting thing about if you adopt the, that kind of a practice the way it begins is that you pay attention to what's really present now. Bring your attention back from all the things that you're fantasizing or all the things you're thinking about or, or being, being away from the present. So you refocus your consciousness, your awareness, um, in what is present to you. And what uh-huh. you see is that that's always changing. It's always coming into being and, and disappearing. But the now itself doesn't change at all. So the now is not what is present. It's the fact that that, that thing's appearance becomes, becomes present. Uh-huh. And that's where the being is. It's not in the content. It's, it's what makes the content come to appearance, allows it to come to appearance. And the key, or a, a technique really, is bringing your attention to, to um, what is present. But the experience of the now is not what is present. It's the now itself. It has no other qualities, no other characteristics. It doesn't change. And the, and the well, mystery it's... of the, of of the time is that everything that appears changes. But if you got oh, yeah. rid of the now, nothing would appear.
1: Yeah, it'd be pretty boring. It,
2: huh? <laughs> well, it would, it would <laughs> <It'd> be pretty. <laughs> It's, it would be a it's always, but I, for me, that's the intensity of the practice: is actually reorienting your entire organization of your of your existence to to not and being here now, not for the sake of just paying attention to what's present, but because the now the now itself is the mystery. In in physics, okay. you know what, what's supposed to be our most strenuous and rigorous understanding of quote-unquote reality there's no now Doesn't, but it's it's not it there. isn't
1: the now the only thing that is real well
2: that's what i'm saying oh okay that you that you, you lose the now in the present because you're constructing the present right everything that you, you you're constructing it. So the, but as soon as you construct it and you say, oh, there's this nice yellow blanket and my book is sitting on top of it. And I'm talking to this nice person and we're doing this stuff on the radio. Um, as soon as my attention is involved in all of that multiplicity of all the billion things that are present and that in a half an hour from now won't, won't be present, um, I'm not paying attention to the now at all. I'm paying attention to what is present. And that's uh-huh. always changing and my own activity in keeping it, in in making, in configuring it, what we do, all we have is, what I'm saying is configuration. We're always configuring it, and we're always mistaking our configurations as if they were figures that could be adequate or, or inadequate in relationship to something that's real, that's not the configuration.
1: Well, you have, um, when, I mean, you, your book is, is, Phenomenal in that it just opens up so many different avenues to go down. It's yeah. it's really a very cool thing. <laughs> so so you yeah. brought Hermes through time, um, you know, through hundreds of years, possibly thousands, um, and, and he's still here. Um, there's there's a whole new um, group. Who, who, you know, certainly are are working with the um, emerald tablet material, and yeah, yeah. how do we how do we bring well, Hermes into his current time? How do how do well, we represent that, him currently?
2: Okay. See, it's not a matter of how do we represent him; it's it's how do we. Um, let me see how to how to. Maybe how, we, how do we recognize we, it? We have, it, be, it, be, it begins with we take the actual Hermetic traditions as we receive it, which mm-hmm. to a certain extent for me has been the magical traditions that stem from the the Society of the Golden Dawn. You know what that yep. is? Yes. Okay. So the, the, the Crowley, Golden Dawn right? kind of, it's, well, Crowley, that's what, uh, it's, it, Crowley comes out of his relationship with McGregor Mathers and McGregor Mathis is the main figure, him and Wynne Westcott. But yeah, they, okay. the, Crowley comes from it, but there are any number of other um, traditions that have uh, been projected from it. And you, you look at those traditions, the magical traditions, what they basically are are systems of correspondence between different areas of possible knowledge. So if you study... The, the Golden Dawn material or Builders of the Addison material or the Society of Inner Light, which are all of these different groups that projected themselves from 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 that. What you get is a, an organization of astrology, alchemy, um, different kind of geomancy, um, numerology, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and you establish correspondences between all of these different systems. And you use them as a configuration. I'm saying configuration. The normal way to treat them is is as if they were uh, um, a a, a true representation, a true ontology. For instance, I was just listening because somebody has has recorded um, uh, Madame Blavatsky's uh, secret doctrine. The, the, you know you, you know you know that material and oh, yeah. it's presented it's presented as a, a a total system you know it it's a, it is it, 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 there are many very interesting things about it but it's basically a system of correspondences and the basis of the correspondences in the western tradition to a certain extent is um astrology um uh-huh. now what is astrology actually it's it's a relationship of one's own being or the being of of one's own uh, uh, condition to a a cosmos, which is understood as spherical, big circle. In other words, why? Because the planets in the ancient world up until the modern world, it was thought that the planets that symbolically represented the different um, states of, of energy um, moved in, in cycles, circles. Uh-huh. And so the interaction between the circles of the different planetary movements produced um, the com- combinations of energies that constitute the, the process of the world. And as long as the ancient cosmology held... held in which it was believed that on the one hand, the planets moved in circles, and on the other hand, the most perfect of intellectual forms was a circle, the simplest and most perfect form. So you had an idea that the soul was a kind of circle, and the movements of the cosmos were circular, and so you had a a harmony between what was believed about the physical universe on the one hand, and what was believed about the, the, the inner life, uh, on the other hand, soul, consciousness, content, content of, of the world, they were, they were held together. But what happens in the beginning of the modern world is that everybody thinks of it as the big event was Copernicus, right, that, you, that these circles uh-huh. don't happen um, around the earth but around the sun. But actually, it wasn't Copernicus that was the most crucial one. It was Kepler who saw who could only make sense of all of the data that was being gathered through the use of these new gadgets, a the telescope, that the only way that you could make sense of that data was not considering the movements as circles but as ellipses. And so there was a break suddenly between the harmony, between the picture of the world, um, and uh, that is, say, the experience of, of experience, what was happening in, inside the content of consciousness, and the sense of what was do, uh, understandable by observing the world. And that those two come apart. So there's a breaking of the circle. And, and everything in, mo- in the modern world from that time on has to do with dealing with, the, with that sense that the intellect was no longer unified by a harmony between what was observed in the material world on the one hand and what was experienced internally on the other. And so there's a problem for actually continuing the hermetic traditions as we receive them because the, the breaking of the relationship between experience and, and the empirical knowledge um, that was the actual context of human life in the ancient world, that, that has, that's broken. And so what has to happen is a reimagination of, the, of all of the things we're relating to that would recover what is lost in that breaking. And so it's, it's really a matter of, of each one of our, you say that each one of us uh, has, has initiated in our own way, but each one of us is responsible for the healing of the, the healing of the world and it can't be done by simply repressing or not paying attention to what what is uh, growing knowledge in the in the material world that's why i'm saying that the that the opposition to the idea of reality has to be put on the deepest possible basis um it can't be just a sentiment that one would like things to be um uh, like they used, they used to be that that isn't going to happen so we're, we're really entering into what has to be a, a new area of the exploration of being itself by each of us and uh-huh. continuing to reimagination what kind of thinking we can do that would contribute to that rather than that one would just be um, uh, sentimentally trying to repeat something that was better in the past there's no doubt that there was there were things that were eliminated by the advent of scientific um, Scientific world, you know. The, I, I don't know how much I tell of this story in this book. I don't remember, but the the uh, the history of the Corpus Hermeticum was that when they 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 were brought to the uh, court of the, the Medici's in the 15th century to a scholar named Marsilio Ficino, who was translating Greek texts for. The Renaissance. I mean, he's probably the most important single figure for translating um, ancient knowledge into the Renaissance world. The, the thing that's reborn in the Renaissance is the awareness of Greek Greek thinking. Um, but one of these sets of texts was this, this these texts called the Corpus Hermeticum, and he translated them, and they became um, an, an inspiration really for the for the whole of that culture for a hundred and fifty odd years. Um, and basically they were um, believed to have been earlier than Moses. So it had a, a kind of authority of ancientness that was, okay. um, that was to put into, actually to, to reaffirm a universal sense of, of, of the nature of being that wouldn't be limited to the mosaic material. But a scholar in, this, in the early 17th century was able to demonstrate that, in fact, they had been written from about uh, around the time of Christ for the next couple of hundred years. They weren't old, older than Moses at all. So they kind of lost their their, uh, their authority. Um, but at the same time, you had the, the, uh, the growth of, of modern science in which you're going to put out of play all of the imaginations of reality other than that which could be tested by empirical evidence and brought into align, alignment with, with intellectual ideas. The, the science is growing that, that simultaneously with the, the Protestant Reformation in which the very question of certainty of, of, of being uncertain about what the, the true picture of being was actually becomes a, a universal situation. Because once you didn't, it was no longer simply the case that the church knew everything, um, but the individual spirit had to actually discover its own, its own authority, which is certainly what the, each of the originators of the Protestant Reformation was concerned with. Um, the issue about certainty became a question about the, a, a spiritual question. What could you be certain about? What could you not, not, not doubt and then the catholic church in its counter reformation brings to bear um the same kind of critique of its own of its own history so you have like three different territories three different aspects of of mind which are no longer accepting the ancient picture maybe yeah four different you have you have modern science which is showing that the world doesn't really work in circles and so the, 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 the harmony between pure intellect and empirical evidence is broken. You have the Protestant Reformation that's treating the, basically what had become the hermetic, um, the Renaissance hermeticism, treating that as, as mere superstition and trying to get rid of magic. So you have science that wants to get rid of magic, the Protestants that want to get rid of magic, the the, uh, the Catholics who want to outdo the Protestants in, in treating um, all of the magical, magical stuff. So all of this stuff goes underground, um, but its own, its own actual direction is unclear because it's being tossed around by all of these different conditions so the the new imagination of intelligence involves rediscovering magic, but it can't be on simply on the ancient terms. It's something that we really have to be, it's going to take a long time to evolve. And that doesn't mean that there isn't a continuous meaning to the, to the initiatory process, but only at its deepest level, really. It's at the level in which one actually can see that the whole concern with being is, is one's own concern and that the authority is, is is something within our own possibility. So in a sense, I'm I'm affirming all of these different occult traditions um, as the very material by which we have to create the new. Um, but we do have to create it anew.
0: Well, in order to resist the
2: information-only technology. Huh?
1: You know, I, I, I was going I I. it feels like we're at a time when... We have to start creating a new um, perspective um, and, and definitions. I, I think society is going through such a change today that none of the old modalities really work.
2: Well, that's, that's kind of what I'm saying. And I, I sort oh, of okay. have a historical perspective on that. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. But nonetheless, they're all there for use. They're there for mm-hmm. to rediscover what was really valuable in them, and what things are that what what are the aspects of them that need to be actually retained, and what and what can't be retained. That's uh, that's what I'm trying to make a contribution to. Well,
1: uh, yeah, I mean, you know,
2: I mentioned he, he I, I, I mentioned, um, and a book is actually dedicated to a, a thinker named uh, Peter Lamborn Wilson. Who was a, a friend of mine who um, was proposing what he called green green hermeticism. He wanted to recreate hermeticism under conditions that were relative to our own actual situation, and to a certain extent, I'm I'm making a contribution to that project.
1: Well, I think that that what what your book does, among other things, is it it challenges people to, to think and to analyze and to address issues and awareness within themselves that they hadn't probably thought about. You know, we get so caught up in, in you know, we, we get so caught up into the day-to-day that we forget that there are other purposes for being here and being a sentient being upon the planet.
2: Yeah, and, diff- and different areas of human experience that we inherit that uh, mm-hmm. we can we can use in order to do that. In, in other words, nothing is nothing is is um, forbidden. Nothing is is uh, uh, is left out. That the search in obedience that we were talking about for for creative work um, is really um, h- how we have to actually conduct our inner life. Because Absolutely. all of them, my experience of, of all of the of real teachings, because at a certain point I, I, I sort of accepted the idea that there was something to learn. So I sought it out in the magical uh-huh. tradition. And I sought it out in, in yoga. And I sought it out in Zen Buddhism and in other forms of Buddhism. Um, so And and I did it in relationship to real teachers, not, not in, in relationship to, you know, something... Uh, something insignificant and what you find is that they, they they if they're authentic and if they're real they're not simply involved in in uh, building up their own uh organizations and and replacing actual work with membership in in an identity oh, to some yeah. extent identity identity is the enemy
0: oh yeah uh,
2: but but as soon as two people are talking they're, you're in the process of creating an institution the ontology is based on on uh, having some kind of an agreement about what is what is supposed to be so, and the more people that are, are a member of the same of the same one, the further they are away from from the authentic um, origination.
1: Absolutely. Well, that's that's why that's why I veer away from organizations of any kind because yeah. because they be, they become. Eventually, corporations, which yep. you know, depart totally from from where my philosophy. is they're supposed to be about. <laughs> I
2: mean, I I say every every institution has an implied ontology. Yeah. And every ontology tends to become an institution. Um, and so that's. Well, the, I, I don't know when people. <laughs>
1: When, when I'm asked, you know, what is your philosophy, you know, my answer is usually, well, I can tell you where I am right now, but that doesn't guarantee that's where I am tomorrow.
2: Definitely. Well, that's part of what I mean about the, the transitory nature of the present.
1: Uh-huh.
2: That on the one hand, that's completely true. On the other hand, what you really discover is something that doesn't change. It's not even, it isn't even that it stays the same it's in another dimension of being, but being itself is, is not time. It, it manifests oh, yeah. in, in time. That's, that's what the Parmenides' idea is, that you, there's nothing you can say about being. Being is, is um, but everything that appears has as its characteristic that it appears to be. So right. your only connection to, to timeless um, uh, being Is through the present and through what comes to appearance, but every appearance masks being, while at the same time expressing it. It, It's it's being that's creating the appearances, but being has no appearance, and you are being. Sort
1: of what it's what is is.
2: Yeah, it's like that. It's like. uh, President Clinton yeah. saying yeah. this remark <laughs> depends yeah. on what is is.
0: Yeah, it
1: I loved that comment. It was like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Um, right, yeah. but it worked. But but you know the reality. I think what I love about all of this is, is that it's constantly in motion, and yet there is yes. a stability within it.
2: Yeah. And that's the that's the point is that one has to I don't know how to, even how to say it but one has to come to that intuition and then and then work from that that the, well, the, the, the non duality of what is not time and time the non duality of of the distinction between appearance and being. Um,
1: well, yeah, I can put it very simply. You know, you 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 can you please, can please, put it oh, much more philosophically. Please. But but to to me it is it, it's it's allowing the magic to happen within your life. And 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 once you once you sort of hook on to that energetic, it changes everything. And and I'm not talking, you know, I'm talking the magic that 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 um, awareness and that spirit brings into your reality to enhance it, so that your perception I, I I often say to people, you create your reality by your perception of it. and so that so that there is this this wonderful quality that we have access that's, to
2: That is. That's the middle voice. Exactly what you just said. Yeah, you create reality by your perception of it, and and those are not ordinary actions. Either the creation or the perception all happens in the middle voice. That that's the the the, the kind of uh, energy in that little statement that you made for sure.
1: Uh-huh. No, it's it's life is magical. It really is, and and the more that you flow into that. Level of awareness. The the more you learn, the more you grow. The more, you know, there's the process of initiation into understanding, purpose and direction, and and all, all of that wonderful material that's there. Um, I just I think your book just it, it wakes people up, and I think the cool part about it is that um, very professional term. The, the cool part about it is that they don't understand, even that it's being poked or woken up it it just It happens because they they in reading your book, their awareness is open enough so that the message is getting through, even though it may not be on a um intellectual consciousness level.
2: I hope that's so. That's the idea for sure. Well, uh,
1: I'm sure. I I bet you you didn't plan on it that way, but I bet that's how it happens.
2: Well, it's like I was saying is I have no I have no idea how it happened. I mean, I could I could kind of recover it, but how did I get to how did it actually happen that I got to write that nice sentence? You know, which is amazing actually. I, 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 it's, but I think, yeah, I, think, I, think. I, I, I keep wanting to simply say, "Well, I didn't do it. Hermes did it."
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and possibly that S is reflective within your spirit. You know, woke up and said, "He's bored. Let's get get out there and do something profound."
2: Yeah. So, well, all right. No, no. I'm, I, think, I was hooked on that from the time I was an infant. Practically, I mean, I. I have a photograph of myself at about four years old um, stealing one of my father's legal pads and just scribbling, it, scribbling and scribbling away. I, I was writing before I could write.
1: Ah, oh, that's cool.
2: <laughs> so, uh, well, well I, I, you know, it,
1: you get to our stage in life and we'll leave it up to everybody else to figure out what that is. But you get to a stage in life where where you're suddenly beginning to understand a lot more and it it's sort of like I wanna record this, I wanna put it out there, I want other people to to understand that the, that this was my initiatory trip and that they will have one that is similar, uh, but in their own in their own uh venue, so to speak. So it's a very cool thing. I, your book was wonderful. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I looked up more words than I cared to admit. But, um, I mean, you know, you, you, you've got an amazing vocabulary there. And every now and then I would check a word and say, okay, now I understand where he was going with this. <laughs> but I just noticed the time. We're almost out of time. Um, okay. And. And I, I, I want to I thank you so very much for spending time with me. This has been, I think, one of the, the most enjoyable interviews I've done in a very, very long time.
2: Well, thank you very much. I've enjoyed it thoroughly myself. So uh, well, good luck I, with everything.
1: Well, you too, and I will um, take a look at your other book and see if we can't get together and talk about that one too. So um, I... I I do want to thank you for, for your time, for your effort, for your um, surrender and allowing a part of you to, to write this amazing book. And um, I, I encourage everybody to, to get a copy of it and, and be prepared to to wake up and, and not sleep here and there because your mind will not stop even though your eyes are closed.
2: Um, <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> thank you so much, Charles, for, for allowing okay. us to talk with you and um
2: thanks
1: okay. thanks and good night everybody thank you so much for being here uh this will be up on youtube so you can go check it out again and listen and uh I, th- I think listening to the um the audio version of this book might be really cool except the only problem there is you can't go back and reread paragraphs so actually maybe get the book and the and the recording so that you can follow along and when when something triggers you, you can go back and reread it again. Anyhow, um, thanks for being with me. Uh, Check out next next Monday I have Gary Wayne on and we are going to be going into some fascinating material. Um, I'll keep it a secret because it really is cool. So good night, everybody. Have a great one.